Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Katherine Ingram. The following is excerpted from a session of Dharma Dialogues held in Lennox Head, Australia in May of 2018. It's called A Koan at the End of Days. becoming increasingly obvious to me why many great teachers just became silent or even never spoke much in the first place, such as Ramana Maharshi or Mayor Baba or any number of people, why Punjaji, my own teacher, spoke sometimes about how frustrated he sometimes felt that he himself could not express what he meant and how he'd been waiting his whole life to hear the words to describe this ineffable thing of the simplicity of being. And I notice how easy it is for us to latch onto concepts and how the concepts then become these, these veils that obscure the actual experience. And I see how hard everybody's trying in the world, you know, with just, you know, massive amounts of programs and books and trainings and... and philosophies and discussions into the night. And believe me, I participated in all of that (laughs) back in the day. And how simple it turns out to be and how Punjaji used to always say, when you really see that, you'll laugh. You'll laugh at the absurdity of all that you were attempting to do or attain or figure out or tilting at windmills forever with regard to trying to so-called be awake or be enlightened or be better or be improved. When there was really nothing ever to do. Right. There was never any there was never any effort required. But it seems hard to believe. And that's why when you do finally see it, you laugh. You laugh at how just poignant the whole production was. <laughs> how many hours you might have spent, how many hours I spent, how many years I spent, how many miles I traveled, how many plans I made to have the right experience. So sometimes I find myself just at a loss for words. So suspicious am I about putting more words into the atmosphere, more concepts, 
even really simple ones like just be. People will make a project of it. Even saying just be isn't accurate. You're already being. So then one is left with, you know, it's like in Zen sessions, you, there's no teaching. You, you go into the Zen master once a day or maybe once every other day, possibly. He says a, a koan, a kind of riddle that makes no real sense. And then next time you see him, you answer something that's equally nonsensical. And he either asks you the same koan before, which means you didn't pass, <laughs> or you get a new koan. And it's this little dance. But meanwhile, you're sitting in session and you're just being. And it's only in the moments with the Zen master that you're required to somehow express something of being. And in that moment, you might have been actually quite awake during the time of the sitting part. You might have been very relaxed and clear. But if in the presence of the Zen master, you suddenly go back into sort of conceptual structure and answer from that, he's going to know. So you're constantly tested in your, in your surrender of beingness because when you give your answer, it's either going to be coming from that or it's not. It's an interesting little, little strategy they have. But then everything comes down to, like they've all said, we're just here, hearing the birds, hearing my voice, Breathing, seeing, smelling, sensing. It just comes down to that. Now, because we're such thinking creatures, we think that the action is happening in the realm of thought or mind. We think that it's about the mind activity that gives us this sense of being. But what if that just simply is not true? Mind activity goes on because of being a human being, but a lot of other, a lot of other aliveness is happening that we sometimes uh, overlook or, or, or make less important. What if that's the real main meal of this life? Just hearing the birds or smelling something or looking at the green. What if there's no such thing as enlightenment? There's no steady state you're going to come to. There's no big bang of dissolution of all your problems or identifications 
But instead, it's just this simple flow of attention in being. That's it. And because this is so subtle, I can really see how some people just choose not to speak about it. (laughs) When you talk about the Zen master testing the student in that moment of... Yeah. It feels like in my life, like... You know, if I'm just sitting or there's certain conditions where it's much easier to just melt into the sound of the wind. And, but life, like the couple of last weeks, has been super busy and there's been lots of activity and lots of mind action. And it's like, like even as I speak this now, you know, it happens automatically. There's like this <laughs> thing in, that goes into my mind and it's almost like this... Um, it's like this stress response, like it's almost like I'm, that melted feeling becomes tighter yeah. or something, contracts. Yeah. And so when that's my daily life is, you know, got to be here by this time and the next thing and the next thing, it's like the, my attention, it overpowers the subtlety, I yeah. guess. Yes. And it perpetuates this kind of adrenal forward motion energy thing that then seems for me to perpetuate these other strategies and coping things that I do which feathers it along yeah and makes noise (laughs) (laughs) and and so then it's like it's I find it really hard to wind down again or you know to quiet and even it's like it gains its own, own yeah, momentum. momentum it does yeah and so the only way I've found when I'm at that place of intensity is to like find something of equal intensity say like going for a run mm-hmm. where then it all I can do is focus on my breathing mm-hmm, because... Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people use movement for that purpose, yeah, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm just wondering, yeah, I don't know if there's a question there, but if you can speak to that kind of experience, especially when, you know, I can't necessarily avoid all the activity at the moment. Right. It, yeah. I have to be engaged. Yes. You're in a phase of life um, in which... There's just a lot of busyness because you're a mom and you have a lot to do and a lot to handle and a lot of balls in the air. So there's going to be a natural, you know, uh, forward momentum of mind activity. And, And as you point out, once that's sort of triggered and there's a sort of constant swirl, it is hard for it to reverse itself into just complete calm. Um, But of course, I always say be gentle with yourself. Take whatever time you can in quiet. Go for a run if that's how it is. You know, just to kind of let give the mind a little break 
time off, right? Because of course, then it interrupts that pattern. It interrupts that 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 feedback loop, um, and not to have an expectation of something that you imagine that should be really different, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's like been this um, period of time where I've had a lot of spaciousness relatively. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, there is this kind of reference point back to that and what right. that felt like to not have this, you know, all these tightened sensations and kind of, yeah. Yeah, well, the tight, tightness sensations might be able to be released somehow, even in the busy life. That would be recommended if possible, if, if there's some way that that can be adjusted. But what I'm pointing to is that right now you're in a busy phase of life, and that's just the what's so. So you can have this kind of presence. See, again, the frustration with using any kind of concepts is that people hear these words, just being, just, you know, presence and so on, and they imagine you know, this sort of peaceful calm, like, you know, just gazing at the ocean. Now, some people have the great luxury of life to have that be how they're spending their days a lot and and in other circumstances that are similar. But when you're in a, a kind of life or a phase of life that's just very busy inherently because you have responsibilities, then it's also possible to just be very simple and present in that and not have the expectation that it has to be this, you know, this deep, um, quiet, calm externally. And then you just, you, you, you know, there are times when we're just busy and there can just be a kind of flow in it. Just, you just, the attention is just flowing. It's, it's not sticking anywhere, it's flowing onto the next, onto the next, onto the next. Yeah, because I, I feel like I do this. One of the things that happens for me is this just on time thing mm-hmm. where I'll be, it's like I almost create it for myself that I'm running late somewhere. So I get the adrenaline kick to rush to actually get to, to be where or do what I need to do to get out the door. To, and so it's like, um, yeah, I imagine if I just, could just flow through things without the resistance, yeah. then there wouldn't be that stop-start point, like yeah. the craving for the nothing. So I put off the doing until I, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like right. Mm. Yeah. You can be having more of the nothing as you're going along, <laughs> you know, even yeah. though you're busy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and haven't we all known that? I mean, it's what people talk about when they say they're in flow, like mm. in... in Sports games, you often hear about Mm. that flow concept whereby, Mm. you know, they're busy. I mean, they're running up and down basketball cars, you know, they're they're doing. But uh, sometimes they talk about how they weren't really doing it. They were in flow. And it was like the whole team was somehow in this, you know, Mm. interesting synchronicity. And haven't we all had times like that mm. where you, you had a really busy day, but mm. somehow it all just kind of flowed along? Well, mm. in this way of being, mm. 
that happens a lot more in life. Mm. Not every minute, you know. Mm. You don't have to have it be every minute. Mm. But it just happens a lot more in life. Mm. You know, mm. it's just somehow you... Even with... Yeah, so I'm, I'm realizing I have this belief that um, it, it can happen even with a schedule. Yes, very like much with so. With the time frame and yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Mm. Surely. Mm. Even with a very busy <laughs> schedule. Yeah. You know? But it, then if possible, it's nice to put in some rest time because we are each creatures of a certain amount of energy mm. per day. Mm. And then we have to shut the system down. Mm. Right? Mm. It, it has to go. It has to go to sleep. Mm. <laughs> the system goes to sleep. Um, and if it doesn't get to do that, it starts going haywire. doesn't take much even for it to start going haywire. doesn't take much missing of sleep, missing of rest. So every single day, there's just a, a portion of energy available. The idea of Infinite energy is, is a fantasy. Um, so we honor that, right? And you do your very, very best to accommodate the need for rest, whether it's just at night sleeping or if there's little minutes through the day that you can plug in. Just some, you know, one of my own little mini tricks is... In the midst of busyness, I might just have a moment of like, you know, Punjaji's phrase, the well of nothingness. I might just visit the well of nothingness. Just like, just go down to the bottom of my being for even a few seconds or a couple of minutes or just stop, literally stop and just look out, out the window um, and into just... Just thereness. And it's almost like this little refreshing hit of just, ah, being. So to, my, my recommendation would be to just plug a few of those in. Surely you have a little bit of time for those, you know. And then you're just back, whatever it is you're doing. You're cooking, you're talking to the kids, you're driving, you go this or that place, you're figuring things out, you're writing down notes. You know, it's, it's, uh, it can be, uh, you know, a, a river of, of attention. Not to torment yourself with some idea of a state that is better than the one you're experiencing. We imagine all kinds of things about what states people are in and what their internal experience must be and, you know, we can't know. We just imagine. I was just reflecting that I think part of the frustration of a so-called spiritual search is 
is this imagining of some other state of being that you're going to get to. And it's only when you realize that this experience, this taste of what you're experiencing is perfectly fine and this is it, right? Then it, then it really gives value and honors the life you're in. You know, you're not fighting any, in any way the hand you're dealt by fate, by existence, whatever. <sighs> Took me a long time to learn that. It did. But what if I don't like it? <laughs> like, what if I don't like the tightness in my chest? Or this, you know, some aspect but of I'm, this My current. point is the tightness in your chest might be connected to the, the story that mm-hmm. you're, you should be living some other kind of life, this situation should be different, I'm not doing it right, or all of those things. That's the extraneous part that I'm saying is mm-hmm. the actual um, frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <clears throat> that would produce the tightness in the chest. If the, if the understanding was, this is my beautiful life, this is how it is, right? This, this is, is my, my, this is, I'm, <laughs> yes, I somehow I have these kids that I seem to be taken care of. Um, you know, this is my existence. Mm. And this is my precious taste of this existence. This is my precious taste of what it feels like to be alive. Mm. Which, by the way, has got no guarantees of longevity. Mm. Um, if there's that surrender to, to the moment, to the, to the suchness of this, mm. then quite likely the tightness would disappear. Mm there would be an expansion, there would be a feeling of openness, there'd be a feeling of gratitude. Mm. It moves into gratitude a lot in that, in that recognition. Mm. So, I say this from experience. I, 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 for so long, I, I was living a, a, almost like a half-life, waiting for my other real life to start once things got better in my being. Mm. And I was trying all these ways, kind of in a confusion, really, of trying to do something with my mind to make this switch occur into this new realization of my, uh, you know, my more um, exalted self. And it was a fool's errand that went on a long, long time. And it, it was not until the, there was this recognition that, oh my God, I don't have to do anything about my mind. I don't have to change it one iota, right? And I don't have to listen to it all the time either, um, right? And I can just sim- simply be as I am and was, warts and all, you could say, however it is, then that, that's when 
everything got better. I mean, everything I had wanted in some other, you know, in some other imagination of what my life would or should be was suddenly found in just this full acceptance, you know, in just this saying yes to dignifying the life that I was in and realizing how lucky. Yeah, I spoke about this in Melbourne recently. The odds of you being here are phenomenally, staggeringly low. <laughs> but here you are. But when you think about what had to happen for you to be sitting here through time, right? Not just human, not just your human ancestors, right? Every one of those human ancestors had to win the lottery of life over and over again. All of those generations, nothing, you know, any one little thread that changed, one little accident, uh, one little baby dying, one, any, any of it, all along the way, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, all those different births, deaths, births, deaths, all of that procreations down the line, down the line. It's not just your parents, it's, it goes so far back. So for you to actually be sitting here is like this crazy, bizarre, you know, one-off of existence. And then on top of that, add on that, add on to that, that you were born in a time and in a place of incredible privilege. You know, we, we don't fight for food every day. Most of us certainly don't have to do that in our lucky cultures. And we have so much abundance and roofs over our heads and freedom to move about. And, and then we kind of torment ourselves with a bunch of, you know, if-onlys. <laughs> when we've already won, you know, the lottery a million times over through all those other generations that had to thread this needle and survive. And we forget all of that. We never even think about it mostly, you know. And yet when you're, when you're actually just confronted with just the privilege of being and let yourself have that, these kinds of insights kind of flow in. You know, you look around and see, wow, this existence and how precious and how fleeting and how, you know, and all the love that we each experience here for a short time. So then it comes down to these ideas of like 
some other life that would be better that you'd be experiencing becomes really an extraneous impulse. And the, and the one that you're in, you go, wow. <laughs> you know, it's, wow, this is amazing. Okay, so this is just um, kind of referencing where you've been speaking. And I guess it's, it's, I don't want it to be totally conceptual, but I'm still curious with how, you know, that is saying all of that. And yet there's still this, for your search, you saw Punjaji. And yeah. that, that, that kind of t- took your path a particular way. Yes. And so this thing of not searching and being with, you know, like my mind kind of just goes to this small place of, of you just live, people just live and they die, they live and they die, and yet here we are and, and there's something about the, the intention of a search or, or something that then takes you into dropping into not searching. I don't, I don't know what it is. So I guess it's just I don't know if, if I'm kind of pointing to it clearly, yeah. but that's what I'd love to hear explored. Well, I love to think of these gatherings as a place where we're given permission to really just be and to not make effort, right? That's the that's the my intention of having these kinds of sessions and and it's it's the only uh when I do go somewhere to have an experience that would be the only reason to be doing that. Um like, I don't have any interest in conceptual teachings. No, I guess what I'm... I, I don't know exactly how to explain what I'm trying to say. It's hard to find words. Well, let me, yeah. let me have, have a go right. at, at a possibility because one of my girlfriends said to me the other day how she felt so... She felt so much regret that she hadn't met Punjaji. And she said, you know, you and Gangaji and all these people got something when you went, that you just got it. You just got something. And I said to her, but we've all been saying (laughs) what he said all this time. And she loves that message and she actually does understand it. But she had the idea that she needed to be in that room in order for her to give herself full permission, which just isn't the case, you know? This, her readiness was long ago activated, long ago, and she, it has radically changed her life. She doesn't do any searching anymore either. And I said, what is it you think you missed? You know? Um, <laughs> so it's, that, it's an understanding that, um, you know, obviously it's extraordinarily powerful when you're with someone who is so cooked in it, and has exudes this incredible confidence so that you're just, there's no doubt when you're in the presence of someone like that. And it's very powerful. Um, but once you've had the glimmer of this, as Nisargadatta said, it's like a spark in a shipload of cotton. It just is just burning along. You don't have to worry about it. It's on its way. And then you make your own experiments with it you know, but for, for myself, like I love all circumstances that just 
let me sit in this, whether it's in a room like this where we're specifically having conversation as fumbling as it may be, but that's our intention. We come together really just to just to have permission to just hang out in the deepest waters. Right. But I'm also happy if that takes place in a musical context or yesterday walking on the beach or, you know, just simply listening to the... I mean, anything, anything at all that is, is giving me permission to soak like that. Um, so it doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be in some kind of box of spirituality. I think that's what I was... I guess the image that comes to mind is, I mean, sorry, I hope this isn't offensive to anyone, but for me it's like this Bogan family at the beach relaxing on holiday and they're just hanging out. Yeah, and, and what's and wrong... I mean, here's, exactly. the, here's so the thing. What's yes, the difference? There's not a lot of difference. There's not. Now, we don't know what's going on in their minds, you know. We don't know if if what's going on in their minds is... is crazy and that or that they're you know yelling at the kids or whatever you know but but if it's just that they're you know uh, quietly hanging out and being that's it it's not you see this is the whole thing and that's why i'm saying that the the spiritual concepts and the goal oriented and the kind of stink of purity as they say in zen you know um all of that is is not the point, you know, and not not clear in my opinion. That's why all the great teachers keep talking about how ordinary it is to understand this. You you land up in a lot of ordinariness, surprisingly. Yeah, so this is what I'm kind of, it's kind of, <laughs> it, there's something for me, there's some paradox yeah. in this idea of, it's almost like, if we never search, if there was no impulse or no conditioning about having to find some spirituality, mm-hmm. I don't know. Would we be there? Or, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I. Well, let's let's look yeah. at it from this point of view. The the search is usually instigated due to some kind of suffering or discomfort. Not every, not always, but often it is. So, one goes on the search. It's like the like the Zen. You know, um, the ox herding pictures I have in that front room, right? Um, you go on the search and you have all these adventures on the search and you kind of land back up more or less where you started, but you have now gone on the search and you have seen a lot and you have metabolized a lot of letting go um, that has gone on along the way on the search. Um, so... There is, there is a great power in that kind of knowing. Not entirely necessary to have gone on the search, to have that kind of knowing. And don't we all know people who never did any kind of spiritual thing and wouldn't really be able to have these kind of conversations in any kind of conceptual way but nevertheless, you have a sense that they are just sort of hanging out being and they're, and they're pretty sweet, right? Pretty good, pretty radiant. 
And I know quite a few of those. Not only that, but I've had so many people walk into these kinds of rooms over the many years who really had no background. They hadn't gone through any big training. And who, you know, it was like water into water hearing these words. They, they, there was no resistance. They just understood it, right? So then when you come to a situation like this, you're just here to enjoy. You're not here to get anything or improve anything or attain some goal or have some big conceptual program you can now talk about. And all of those things fall away. Although saying that, I know I notice in myself when I speak with you or even when I do the sit at the start that there is, and, and maybe it's my patterning with my adrenaline, mm. but that there is a different feeling. I'm not just sitting. There's, there's a different engagement somehow that's going on in my cells. Mm-hmm. And so I do notice that there's... Um, a heightened a experience. heightened experience, mm-hmm. yeah. And that is the function of this kind of gathering. Mm. It, it's a soaking or a heightening mm. or however we're going to steeping. Mm. And, and that serves the function of um, intensifying the habit so that you, you get a reference point for how that feels, how easily you came to it. You just, somehow it was in the atmosphere. And... Um, such that it becomes more your normal return spot when you're out and about in the, in the day. And even when you're very, very busy, you, you find yourself, again, easily kind of coming to that more heightened awareness or heightened or easy simplicity. However, one wants to, of course, the words are not going to be accurate. But um, that is why we have, and why... These kinds of gatherings, I'm told, satsang gatherings, have been going on for 5,000 years. Amazing. 5,000 years. I think, I think for me there's the heightened stillness and also alongside that there's a trying. I still have a trying mm. addiction thing where, mm. I, where I kind of feel that I'm trying to step into it more or drop into it more or, or milk it in some way. So I can really see that I still haven't dropped the search yet completely. Right. Um, so I think I'm just speaking that out to, yeah. to share as well. That and I that's very that. common, of yeah. course, you know, but um, and no matter how many times somebody might say, you don't have to try, <laughs> you don't have to make any effort, um, if that little program is going to kick up, it'll it'll come up, you know. And what I can only tell you is that at some point, and why you might laugh, is that at some point it might just drop away. Yeah. And in the meantime, I'm working on including, like but working on in, just yeah. including it. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's okay. just a little yeah. program that kicks yeah. up now and again. Yes, I know. Thank you. I've said many times, so, I mean, and it was very lucky to meet Punjaji in this regard, that... Since meeting him, I have not ever had another moment of seeking. It just hasn't arisen. <laughs> and what I mean by that, of course, is that I just have never had any more spiritual ambition whatsoever. Like, I, I just don't care how I am. <laughs> 
the only time it, I ever do anything with my attention that is a little intervention at all is if it's suffering. And then I do a little quick look at what's the story, what's the fixation, right? And if there's some way to kind of reframe it or to move the attention, I do that. Or sometimes it's sort of stuck on its loop and I, I don't have any tools to get it off of there and I just wait it out. <laughs> but I don't really care that it's happening. <laughs> See, that's the bit that sounds miraculous to me. <laughs> Does it? A little bit. Yeah. I, I do have tasters where I don't care. Yeah. And the rest of the time I'm stuck in my in my story about the, like, I care, I so deeply care right. the rest of the time. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's very kind of touching how people, like, people want to be good. They want to be better. You know, they want to be, you know, they don't want to have these awful thoughts or this or that, you know, and, and it's very touching, you know. Um, but it's also very relieving when you're let off the hook with all of that and you don't care anymore how it is. And then there's this fresh, there's this freedom about it, you know. Like, you just, you know, you just relax about how you are and who you are. And, and don't, we, don't, don't we sense when we're with someone who's kind of authentically themselves and not trying to be anything else? You know, it's very relaxing. So I think I've usually got th th three themes that come through. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is one of the themes that seems to consistently be here. Because um, I feel like I more and more relax, essentially, you know, which is lovely. And in like, it's not interrupting, it's like... If I wanted to describe it in a in an, an analogy, I feel like an ant on a on a piece of wood floating up to Niagara Falls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this whole thing about the environmental destruction. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like this this there's part of me. It's like I know I can't do anything about that anyway. Right. You know, that, that, that wheel that's turning is so much bigger than me. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I can recycle my things and I can turn my light off and do you know what I mean? Yeah. I can do that. I can not waste water. I can do those little things and not, not, as, nothing is going to change. That's yeah? right. So it's like it tinges my relaxation. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I feel this coming catastrophe yes that's unstoppable yes and it's hard to just go oh well I'll just hang out and enjoy this day because how many days do we have left I, you know but that could be the reason why you enjoy this day mm. right mm. I mean don't you've worked some with people who are approaching death yes mm. and so it's like it's like being in hospice, but still having a healthy body. <laughs> mm. um, so yes, 
there is that possibility of recognition. I saw I saw on Bill Maher last night. Bill Maher is a um, comedic social commentator in the U.S. One of the absolute smartest guys I think in the U.S. in terms of um, on the public platform and. Um, he had Ethan Hawke on as a, as one of his guests, and Ethan Hawke was talking about a movie he's uh, that's just coming out. I think it's called First Reformers, I believe. And apparently, it's about a preacher who becomes an eco warrior. And it, Ethan Hawke didn't speak long about the movie, but I definitely want to see it because one of the things he addresses is the depression that comes with the recognition of what's going on and the intensity of the passion that might arise um, in the face of it, you know. So, yeah, we're living in a really crazy time, Um it's really unlike any other of the bad times. There was never a previous bad time of human history where extinction was on the table. There were bad times and there were plagues and there were all kinds of you know, things that would have been miserable to be in. But in terms of full extinction in human history, that hasn't been on the table. And we're all plugged up with each other. We're all plugged into the information so we can, we can be keeping track of it. And we kind of can't help but be keeping track of it. Um, so there's a, a, a natural, in the face of seeing a lot of what is happening, there's a, a natural sadness that anyone would experience, you know, at the same time, uh, for me, what it has done in these years of studying climate chaos um, is it has made me feel so tender for life and for love and for gratitude for another day of relative calm and safety and beauty. Um, and there, I know that there's also a process of letting go that's going on in my being that has really, you know, been for years now underway. But it is not without its moments of exactly what you're describing. If I, I'm, I'm less in those now. I was uh, in the first few years... Um, I had a lot of a lot of very big emotions that were rolling. And I think I've told you and maybe some of you in the room before, um, there was one phase where the the sorrow of it all and the heaviness of it and the thoughts about all the people I love and especially the little people in my family. Um that the stress of that actually caused me to get shingles. And um, 
that was a real wake up, <laughs> you know, because that's like being burned from the inside. And that was really an interesting, very, very quickening of my um, sort of a blaze of insight that had to occur as though one was facing real death imminently. And, um, and since that point, you know, it's been this mostly just this intensification of gratitude for what, what is still here and what, what joys and what beauty and what, and how one can be helpful in little ways, not necessarily trying to save the planet, but just in being helpful in just the simplest of ways for people. And, um, you know, just um, yeah. And there's a lot of freedom I've been experiencing through this that is basically saying, okay, however this plays out, it's playing out, right? And what to do? I mean, you shake your fist at the sky, what are we going to do? Mm. It's like, um, it's like the moments when I'm in, when I touch peacefulness, it's like this peacefulness and sadness and gratitude. It's sort of like, it's not, it's not the definition of peacefulness by any means. Good. Yes. Same for me. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I have moments when I think, I could start crying and never stop, mm. like with what I'm seeing, mm. you know? Mm. And other moments when I just think mm. I'm fully surrendered to what is and to this situation that we are in, mm. whereby we may be witnessing the last of this whole show, mm. right? It's possible. Mm. And so, you know, and the, the, the profound surrender in that, you know, and, the, and the having to let that one in, is, it just drives you into a kind of bigger sense of freedom where you have to, you, you, you have to say yes to it. Mm. Not because you want it to be, but because it is what is happening. Mm. And that's the distinction that becomes the, the point of freedom where you basically have to say, okay, yes, this is happening. You don't condone it, you don't, you never wished it, but here it is. Mm. <sighs> mm. Mm. And look, and also for me too, easy to get caught in, in outrage, do you know? political outrage. But the thing is, Michael, how far back does it go? Mm. When did it start? Yeah. Some people say it started when the first person picked up a rock and threw it at some kind of food. (laughs) Right? Mm. It's been a long time coming in this direction. Mm. It's not just this current crop of of madness. Mm. It's it's something in the human species has done this. And it, it, it was not just one, it wasn't a billion, it was more, it was, it was 
pretty much everybody through history. <laughs> it just kept rolling on. And all of the all of the so-called technological advances that went along the way, at the time, they seemed like a good idea. At the time, it was to try to make things better. At the time, it was trying to get us from one point to another. At the time, it was trying to move food around and have more of it to store and, and on and on and on. And it has gone exponential. You know, it goes as, as things can tend to do. It's gone exponential. The, and the destruction of the resources has gone exponential. And now we're exponentially putting far more carbon into the atmosphere than the atmosphere can clean up. And that isn't going to stop. It's, it's getting worse. Plus the methane is being released, which is far worse. So it, it's, there's no happy spin on where that leads. And we just have our days and drink our coffee and go for our walk on the beach and, you know. We're still living in this incredible privilege. And it's very, very, um, very touching to see how I mean we've we've all probably taken it for granted most of our lives you know it's nice, it's nice to just bring that into satsang like a, you know it's just nice to kind of feel it there somehow yeah because I can say I think if I don't it doesn't come in I separate away yeah you know I'm with you. I I, mm. I always want to out the mm. you know the truth of things. I no matter what the cost of seeing it, I'd rather deal with it in 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 the truth of it. You know, and let the and let the awareness um, metabolize it. And that's what's happened for me in this process. Not an easy one. And I don't typically bring it up because uh, I don't sense that everyone is ready for it. Most people just aren't. But it's starting, I'm noticing, to be out in the world a lot more, you know. I'm starting to see that this conversation is ebbing out into mainstream a lot more. And... Um, There'll be much more on this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I think I'll come back on this and come back on this and come back on this. I feel like there's work well, in progress. I'm your girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I too, I too feel a catharsis when I feel that it's being met, you know. And I do, I do feel, um, yeah. There, there's. There's no bigger news story on earth, and yet it doesn't get the kind of attention that it really should. 
But there is no other story that trumps it, you know. It's, 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 it's the elephant in every room. I always say it's the elephant on fire in every room. <laughs> you know, it's the elephant in every room. And it's the background in awareness um, for a lot of people now. And a lot of people are already experiencing the desperation of it. That's why we have more refugees on the move than ever before. And why, you know, places like people in Cape Town are spending their days trying to figure out just how to get water. You know, and that's the beginning. So, um, uh, you know, it, it's it's all of this. It, it's it's like sitting in satsang, truth community. It would be a similar feeling if we were all in hospice together, right? We would talk about similar things, about life, about love, about joy, about gratitude, about appreciation. You know, and how to use our attention. So, for myself, over this little journey of diving into the climate science, I really, a number of years ago, I mean, I always sensed that we were headed toward more and more trouble on Earth. I think I have sensed that since I was a child. Um, yeah. And I had a, a conversation with Katie Byron a few years ago. I was having lunch with her at her house. And I was telling her about this study of mine, of climate science. It was about four or five years ago. And she lit up. Like, she was excited. And she said, you know, I've always felt this. You know? I said, yeah, I know, I have too. But I, have, I really dove into the actual science, and I continue to. And um, anyway, the process for me has been the stages of grief, really, you know. Um, a lot of bargaining and what if, and anger, as you say. And, and I, I feel like I, I'm mostly in acceptance at this point but I bounce around on some of the other points now and again. <laughs> but mostly I'm in acceptance. So it's possible to come to that. Yeah. I think I'm somewhere between denial and anger. I think I've got, you know... Bargaining yeah, and depression yeah, 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 still yeah, to go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you for, thank you for talking about that. Mm. <laughs> the way you put that, Catherine, of um, how did you say it? That we're uh, witnessing, like with all the information available, we're, you know, witnessing the oncoming ex our extinction. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
tenderness uh, seems to be the only sane response. Yes. Yes, David. You know, which to me feels like an embracing of sadness at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Hmm. And I've been feeling connection to what everyone has shared in my own way and realizing that um, you know the the striving to want to just the striving for whatever purpose you know I feel like even though I'm actively creating and I spoke here last week about how that's such a surrendered experience for me and how I'm learning to be a vessel and how uh, joyful it is for me to create and how much I love it. So it doesn't feel like I'm striving. Right. But something happened a few years ago. I had a near-death experience and in that other realm I was able to see and it shocked me a lot because I had put everything all my time and energy into trying to contribute certain things you know like maybe in a response to the environmental crisis because it's disconnect that creates this right and and what I <laughs> have been doing is all about you know emotional intelligence at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah, but in, in these other realms, in the energetic realm, I saw how all of that was quite inconsequential. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, I feel like I contacted a realm where, where you know, when we're just souls and how it's like somehow through that I got released from the striving inside of what I'm doing even though I'm still doing it but mm -hmm. it's coming from another place yes right because there's mm -hmm. an acceptance that yeah I don't know how this is all going to go here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, yeah, yeah, totally hear you. There's a freedom in this recognition. It's yeah, a lot of the big productions of somebody and legacy and all of that is just gone. <laughs> There's no point, right? Yeah, yeah, that all of that, and also the attempt to make a difference to people's lives so they make different decisions and support more connectivity and reverence for the planet and, and all of this, you know, that's been a massive driving force behind what I do. Yeah. But the, the striving to try and make that happen also fell away, yeah. even though that can still happen. <laughs> yes, right. But <laughs> Yes, but having to be the one in charge of it is, is yeah. you don't have to do that part. <laughs> Yeah, and then it comes down to, you know, in this simplicity, again, I, I know I said it a little while ago, but just um, just the sharing of love and being a bit helpful where you can is all that you really 
need yes. to bother with. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, because... Just like I, you and I the other night at that event, we stayed after and helped her take everything down and, yeah. you know, pack it all up. Imagine if she was there alone doing that, you know. <laughs> you know, just uh, those simple acts of kindness anywhere we can, you know, mm. that's enough. <laughs> Yeah, just the being with, yeah, and and how that impacts us at a deep level, and it, when that uh, focus shifted for me of, you know, what I could do in the world, it was more, well, how how can that touch people on a deep level so that. <laughs> not dismissing the importance of this beautiful planet, you know, but regardless of what happens, yes. that it's like the accumulated soul memory that we all have and come from. Like, I just sort of had this discovery that that's the only thing that actually has weight. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have a similar concept or feeling um, that... Um, I would like my life to be kind of on the side of the good, even if this whole thing goes away, mm. right? And and there's someone I quote, he's an old friend, W.S. Merwin, an American poet, and he says, on the last day of the world, I would want to plant a tree, mm. you know? And so it's it's kind of that, you know. Yeah, yeah, because the last day of the world, you know, it's what we see and experience here isn't all that there is, you know. I had an experience of seeing how it, it all keeps going and so how we can be with each other and have an impact on each other on that level kind of holds everything together, you know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. You know, and I've I've lived on the earth without, years ago, without a house, like really simply under a tree, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, like I deeply love the earth and this planet. Yeah. And at the same time, it's like so vulnerable. We yeah. don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I wanted to share as well that uh, <laughs> before you, know, you started sharing today and I was sitting here and just been feeling like I'm really enjoying all the things that are going on in my world, but I come here and I have this beautiful reminder and, you know, like it was shared about how miraculous it is that we're all here and being reminded of these things and you know, even though I like what's going on, I sit here and just feel my breath in my body. <laughs> it's like, this is everything. Right oh, good, oh, good. <laughs> there you've said the words I was trying to say. <laughs> it's just nice to have it not be this tense contrast, you know, because yeah. it's like, yes, these things can go on and... This is yes. beautifully profound and simple. Ever the everything. more so, right? <laughs> Ever the as the awareness takes in what the context that we're actually in. Ever the more so. It's like every precious breath, you know, and every precious interaction and 
little sweetness of the life and all of it. Just, you know, you, it can break your heart with the tenderness of it, you know. And, and even I somehow even came out the other side of, you know, because part of my, the worst of my sorrow was not about my, I, I, I can die any moment, it's fine. <laughs> it's like, like I said, I don't care about it. <laughs> I, 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 I love life. I love being, having a perfectly wonderful time. And I've been around, you know, like an old turtle for a long, long time, you know. <laughs> so, but it's the little ones in my, you know, that was where I got plugged in. And Dina, I can imagine you have this one. Um, you know, the little ones in my family. I have all these little great nieces and nephew and, and, um, and that was where I would get really triggered. Um, but what has happened is there's been some silent bow to they'll have the length of life they, whatever life they have. Yeah. As many, many, many beings of history, that's how it is, and how it is for each of us. And... Um, and so some, you know, very hard-won surrender has come through for that as well. This has been In the Deep. You can find the entire list of In the Deep podcasts at katherineingram.com, where you can also book a private session by phone or Skype and see my upcoming events, such as our New Year's retreat at the ocean near Lennox Head, Australia, or our residential retreat in New Zealand in May of 2019. If you're a regular listener, please consider making either a one-time or a recurring tax-deductible donation in any amount that's comfortable for you, or you could give us a review wherever you're getting your podcasts. Till next time.